okay today? That's doing good. Hey, uh, we are in part four, the last part of parenting in the 21st century. How many of you guys have got a lot out of this series so far? Got some good stuff as parents? Yeah. Uh, I want to start off with a question. I want to ask you guys a question. If we could interview your kids, what would they say about your parenting? Like, I know, right? Like, if we could call them up here, how many of you guys would be like, you're not interviewing my kids. Like, are you out of your mind? I'm kind of in that boat. Like, you're not going to interview my kids. And maybe you're like, what if they tell that one story about that one time? You know what I'm saying? Or maybe they're going to get up and say, yeah, they always do this all the time. It's always the same thing over. And you're like, I, I, I can't do it. Or maybe, maybe your kids, maybe it'll be the opposite. Maybe they get up and they're like, man, they're just the greatest parents in the world. They're amazing. They're so perfect. And you you guys are laughing, right? But it's like, it's probably somewhere in between, isn't it? It's probably a little bit of both. Parenting isn't easy, is it? And parenting is hard. And if you've been a parent longer than a week, there's probably some things that you're like, I would do that differently, right? Like I would, I would probably change that. I don't know about you, but for me, there have been some moments during this series where I haven't felt like the best parent. And that's not because the speakers were shaming anybody or putting anybody down. It's just because I went, man, God, there's some things you need to do in me. Like, I want to be a better parent. My kids deserve a better parent. I had a really good friend. Uh, he, he had three kids, and he told me, he said, John, I had, I, when I had my first two kids, I thought I was the greatest parent in the world. He said they would, they would do something wrong, right? They, they would cross a boundary across the line or do something they shouldn't do. And he said, I would get down on one knee and I would talk to them. I'd go, hey, buddy, right here. And, and I would just real, real sternly, real, real lovingly just speak life into him and be like, hey, you crossed the line, right? And they, might, they would just be repentive and they would leave and, and they would just be these amazing, amazing kids. And, and, and he said, I would just walk away and I would go, man, I'm such a good parent, like, I, my, why didn't my dad talk to me like this? Why, did, why was he yelling at me or why was he doing this? Or I, I've, I've learned the secret of discipline. It's just about getting on their level and speaking life into them, right? And he said, and then I had my third child. And <laughs> I tried that and that didn't work. And I tried other things and those didn't work. And I tried other things and that didn't work. Parenting is hard. How many of you guys know that? And no two kids are the same, are they? And this is why, this is why throughout the series we've said this. You have to parent with the relationship in mind. You have to have a goal and a target, and this is your goal. This is your target. You have to parent with the relationship in mind. Now, I want you to notice something because I think this is kind of important. It doesn't say parent with the friendship in mind. I think this is really, really a, a kind of a big deal and something that you need to understand. Some of you are trying to parent your kids and be their best friend. It, it doesn't say parent with a friendship in mind. You cannot do this. It will fail every single time. If your goal is to be your kid's best friend, it won't work. And let me just say this. Parent with the relationship in mind. You're the parent. They're the kid. That's the relationship. Now, you can be friends with your kids, but if you parent with the friendship in mind, it just won't work. When you parent with the relationship in mind, there's still consequences. There's still boundaries. There's hopefully still mutual respect. But the, the, instead of trying to win every battle in the moment, right, you have a target. You have a goal. You want to parent with a relationship in mind. And the cool thing, they talked about this last week, that you get to that stage where it's like, okay, we're in the friendship stage after they leave the house, right? That's the important thing. 
after they leave the house and that we get to be friends. I don't know about you, I want my kids to come back to me and ask me for advice. I want my kids to come back to me and go, hey, what are your thoughts on this dad, right? Because that's the relationship that I have with them. Today we're going to be talking about what I think is probably the biggest area of regret for me as a parent. And, and I don't say that lightly. I, I think for me, this is the biggest area of regret where I go, oh, this is where I fall short. This is where I'm not my best when it comes to parenting. We're going to be talking about the words that I've spoken. The words that I've spoken, the things that I've said that I can't get back. The things that I've spoken over my kids, maybe out of frustration. Any, anybody ever been there in moments of frustration? It's like you're doing pretty good, and then you start to get worked out, and the kid just is not getting it, and it's over and over and over. And then one more time, it's like they just want to see, can we make dad just over the top, right? Can we just get him there? Maybe in moments of frustration you've said things, or moments of anger. When you're mad, maybe you're not even mad at your kids. Maybe it's something else going on. It's work, it's spouse, it's other relationships. But you take it out on your kids. And the words you've spoken over your kids out of frustration. What about this one? This is a big one. What about words you've spoken over your kids out of fear? Right? Anybody ever done that? Like you're afraid that your kid might turn out this way. And so you use words to try to say things just to control the way they're going to be later on in life. Nobody's ever done that? Okay, it's just me. Uh, fear, right? And moments of fear. I, I know you already know this, but words are powerful, aren't they? W words are powerful. Growing up, I want you to think about it. Growing up, words helped shape you, didn't they? The things that your parents spoke over you, they help shape you into the person, the man or woman that you are today. Like you still hear the words of your parents when you're getting ready to do something or when you don't do something or when you did something wrong. You still hear your mom or your dad's voice in the back of your head because they help shape you. Words help direct you. That words can help kind of set you on a path and direct you on where to go. They help define you, inspire you. But you know what else? Words can, words can scar you, can't they? That there's certain things that you might have held on to for years and years and years, and it's just a word that scarred you and, and changed you a little bit. It, and it's not just the words that were spoken over you. I think sometimes it's the things that, that weren't said that have the biggest impact in your life. Things that maybe you never heard, but you wish you did hear. Th things like, man, I'm proud of you. This is huge. Maybe you never heard. I'm proud of you. You did it. I, I believe in you, right? Maybe, maybe there's another one. It's uh, I believe in you. That's a huge one. I, I believe in you. I know you can do this. I believe in you, buddy. I believe in you. I think you're capable. I know it's hard, but I believe in you. Maybe, maybe you never heard that. Maybe there's another one. I'm, I'm glad you're my kid. You ever, have you ever heard this? Man, I'm glad you're my son. I'm glad you're my daughter. When I tell this to my kids, I'll say, man, I'm glad you guys are my kids. And they're like, dad, you're just saying that because we're your kids. Like, if you had other kids, you would say that to them. And, I, and as I always say, actually, no, that's not true. If I had other kids and I saw you two with another family, I would tell my kids, man, I wish those kids were my kids. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that's taking it too far or not, but I'm just like, that's how much I love you guys. Like, I wouldn't even like my kids. I'd like you more. <laughs> uh, maybe you never heard that, though. I'm glad you're my kid. Or maybe you've never heard one that all of us should hear at times is just the base. I love you. 
right? I love you, buddy. I love you. I'm glad you're mine. I love you. Maybe you never heard these words before. I don't know your experience growing up, no matter if you heard them or you didn't hear them, but if you did hear them, you understand how powerful words are, don't you? They help shape you, define you, direct you. Today we're going to be hearing from the guy, this guy by the name of Paul. Uh, first, first Paul, before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. And he was a Pharisee. He was a Jew. He came to Jerusalem. He ends up coming to Jerusalem when Je- as Jesus had left. He comes to Jerusalem and says, hey, I'd like to wipe out all these new Christians. I'd like to wipe them out. I, I want to get rid of them. Let me be in charge of that. And so they let him take over. And he goes and he starts to arrest all these new uh, followers of Jesus known as the way. He's arresting them. He's beating them, sometimes stoning them. Even to the point sometimes he would kill these new Christians, these new followers followers of Jesus. He hated Christians. He he then has this conversion experience, this amazing conversion experience. He's on his way to do some things. He gets knocked off off his horse that he's riding on, and he has this experience with Jesus and Jesus kind of has this conversation with him and he's blinded for a few days. He ends up becoming a follower of Jesus through this experience and his name is changed to Paul, and he starts to plant churches all over the Mediterranean, and he would write letters to all these churches that he planted. And he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he ends up talking to Christians about their mouths, about their mouths. Now, before we get that, I want to read the setup of what he writes, because I think it's so valuable, it's so important. This is Ephesians 4, verse 17. He says, so I tell you this, and in, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He's saying, look, the Gentiles think one way, and I know you used to be a Gentile, but you used to be like this. You had a worldview that was a little bit different than, than followers of Jesus have. You used to think like this but no longer do you think like this. I don't want you to think the same way that the Gentiles think because you're called to think a little bit different. And this is what he says in verse 18. He says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. He's saying, look, the people in this culture, the people that are outside of the church, they're ignorant to God's ways because of their hardened hearts. They don't understand the same things that you understand because you're a follower of Jesus. You're filtering it through a different filter. They don't know any better. So they're living a life a little bit different than you're called to live a life. And why is this important? And here's why this is important. The people outside in their culture, they believed in multiple gods. They believed in pagan gods. And here's the thing about the gods. The gods were all about themselves, right? They believed the gods, everything the gods did was to entertain themselves. So it was all about them, them, them. And so people who wanted to be like gods, how did they treat people? They were all about themselves. They didn't care about other people. They were just about themselves. And Paul is saying, look, the world you came from is very different than the world I'm introducing to you as a follower of Jesus. That what you came out of is very different than what you're currently in following, uh, following Christ. And some of you may have experienced this for you in here. Some of you may experience this before you met Jesus. 
right? Like before you came in, you might have even looked at the church and gone like, man, those people are crazy, right? Like they are just off their rocker. Like, and, and before you met Jesus, you were all about what? You. You were all about whatever made you feel good and whatever you liked. And it was all about you. And then all of a sudden, maybe you had this conversion experience and you started realizing, man, we're called to be about other people. Like we're called to care about other people. And so your, your view started to change. He goes on in verse 19. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. He says they've given themselves over to sensuality. You know what sensuality is? Sensuality is this idea that anything goes morally. If it feels good, do it, right? If, if I like it, then I'm going to do it. Anything goes morally. There's no rules. But Paul is saying, look, as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that you and I, we have a moral compass, don't we? That we have something telling us, hey, that's not good for you. Hey, I don't want you living that way. Hey, you're not called to do that. And in this pagan culture, they really have no behavioral expectations, and Paul is kind of like, Paul is saying, look, it makes sense that they don't live like you. They, they don't follow or have any moral standards. They can do whatever they want to do. So this makes sense. And he goes in verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He's saying, look, that life, that was how you used to live. That's not how you live anymore. That's not what you're called to anymore. It's about other people now. It's serve and love the way I loved you, the way Christ loved you. He says, you were taught with regard in your former way of life to put off your old self. Everybody say old self. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He says, you have to take off that old self, that old way of living, that you used to live this way and now you live this way and you have that old self on. You got to take that off, that old way of, of thinking, so what? So that you're not fooled by your deceitful desires. I think this is so cool. Do you know what a deceitful desire is? A, a deceitful desire is a desire you have that promises one thing, but it doesn't fulfill what it promised. That it promises that it will fulfill you and it doesn't end up fulfilling you. Have you, have you ever given into that before? A deceitful desire, right? All of us have our hands up, right? We've all done that where, 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 where it kind of whispers to us, hey, hey, if you do this, if you give into this, oh man, it's going to be amazing and this is going to be great and you will be what? Fulfilled. And then it doesn't fulfill you when you give into it. And you know what the desire says then? You know what it whispers to you after it doesn't fulfill you? It whispers in your ear, it says, next time. Next time it'll work. Next time it'll fulfill you. Next time it will satisfy your needs. He's saying as Christ followers, we're, we're called to take that old way off. We're called to take that off and live in a completely different kind of way. <clears throat> he says, and this is it to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Everybody say new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness that you and 
I, when we put on that new self, that we were created righteous through Christ. That there's this amazing truth that some of us are living almost with our old self on and we're constantly going, oh, I need to take that. He's saying, you need to take that old self off, put this new self on. And, and, and after all this, he explains this, and this is so important. He starts to give his audience kind of specific applications. He goes, hey, this is how you're called to live. This is the old way, but this is the new way to live. And he starts to give certain actions and things that we can apply. And one of the things he talks about is our mouths. And, and I love this scripture. I love this verse. He's, we're going to skip forward to verse 29 and get to this part. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And do not let any unwholesome talk, this word talk, it breaks down into word. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. This word unwholesome, do you know what this word, when, it, when you break this down, what it's talking about, it's saying do not let any, uh, it's, the unwholesome word is like the smell of rotting fish or, or garbage that's been sitting for a while. Or maybe like when your son or daughter takes off their shoes after they've been wet. And it's like that smell, that's the smell. That's what he's talking about right here. He's like, do not let any distasteful word come out of your mouth. This is pretty, pretty challenging. He actually starts it off with, do not let... Do not let, like, he's saying, look, you're in charge. Your mouth is the gate, and you're the gatekeeper. And words are constantly trying to get out of your mouth. Everyday distasteful words are rushing the gate, especially if you have kids, right? Especially if you have toddlers or kids that are little. They're like words that are coming out of your mouth or teenagers, and you're like, all right, it's about to happen. Here they come. They're coming out. Do not let them come out. He says, you're the gatekeeper that you're supposed to keep those clothes. He says, guard your mouth. Now, that's, that's kind of the negative. That's kind of like, hey, don't do this. But then he goes on and tells us how to use our mouth for good. And I think this is just as important. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Doesn't that just sound great? Doesn't that just sound, I mean, it does sound really kind, right? Like, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It sounds a little too good, doesn't it? Like, it sounds a little, it sounds a little too Christian, a little too perfect, a little too kind. It sounds, if we're being honest, it sounds a little unproductive, doesn't it? Like, I don't know, John. Like, does this really work? Like, can you, really, can you really raise your kids like this? Like, mine don't really listen unless I'm yelling at them, right? Like, they just don't get, every once in a while, I feel like my kids need a good verbal beatdown in order to really understand who they are, right? Like, they, re I mean, does this really work? Is, is this real? Like, his, and I need you guys to get, his point is not be nice, just be nice. Just, just be nice. His, you know what his point is? His point is be helpful. And sometimes being helpful means saying hard things, saying difficult things. This is the part that if you've been trying to raise your kids as their best friend, it's not going to work. 
when you have to say helpful things, sometimes those helpful things are difficult things that you need to speak into the life of your child, saying things we might not want to say. So the truth is, is that some of us, you need to dial it back. Let's just be honest. Like, you need to dial it back. When you're correcting your kids, you're on like a thousand percent up here. And it's like, yo, pull it back a little bit. But on the other side of it, some of us need to step up and say what needs to be said. Some of you guys, you're not saying what needs to be said to your kids. You're not saying helpful things. You're saying nice things. And you're not helping your kids grow into the, who they need to be. Now, if, if you see these two things and it's like some of you need to dial it back and you're like elbowing your spouse, you're like, that's, that's you, man. You're just way over the top. And then as I said, the second one, it's like some of you need to step up and the other elbow is going the other way. I, I just want to encourage you. I, I think a lot of times, I don't know if it's like God's humor or jokes, but he just puts people together that are opposite sometimes. And he's like, this is going to be fun, Right. Um, I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. Yes, he wants to speak to your spouse. You're not the Holy Spirit, right? Your, your job isn't to be like, I'm the Holy Spirit. Here you go. This one's for you. I think you need to, whatever it is right here, I really want to encourage you. Don't leave today going, oh, I can't wait for them. I hope they get it. I hope they get it. I hope they get it. I hope you get it. The Holy Spirit hopes you get it, right? Whatever it is, if you need to step up and say what needs to be said, just focus on that. Like, don't get in the car and be like, yeah, I noticed that. Did you notice the other part of that story? None of that is helpful. So just really focus. I just wanted to help you guys out as you drove home today. Um, Focus on what God wants you to do because it's true, right? Some of us need to dial it back and some of us need to step up and say what needs to be said. Some of us are relying on the other spouse to do that part, right? They, all right, they're going to say the hard thing and then I'm going to come in and smooth it over, right? And that'll be really nice. Some of you need to step up and say the hard thing. Some of you need to do what God's called you to do and step up and say the hard thing. And then Paul gives us this awesome word. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up. Only what is helpful for building others up. I want you to imagine for a moment that, that the, your relationship with your kids are like little construction sites. And the words that you use and the words that you speak over them are literally building them up. That the words that you say, hey, I love you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, you can do this. Hey, that's not okay. Hey, we're not called to live that way. The words that you use get to build them up. And your job as a Christ-following parent is to consider every word that you speak over them before you say it. And he's saying, look, only speak the ones that build them up. Now, when you leave the construction site, it's going to be a whole lot stronger, right, than when you got there. And that's the goal, that you want to build them up. But I think for some of us, we come into this relationship and we got sticks of dynamite, right? And we're like, oh yeah. And we get in this verbal altercation with our kids and they're like, let me show you, boom, right? And we're blowing this construction side up. We, we get frustrated or we get anger, angry and out of this anger or frustration, we say things like, hey, stupid. Hey, stupid, right here. Hey, listen, focus. Hey, 
right? And, and let me light this dynamite, right? Or, or we might say things like this, you're just like your father. You're just like your mother. So not only are we putting our spouse down for, I don't know why we're doing that, but like you're making the kid go, okay, I know you don't like dad, and so now you're speaking to me. So does that mean you're just like your father? You're just like your mother. And we're lighting this dynamite. Or, or what about this one? You know, you, you get mad at a kid. Why can't you be better? Like, okay, look, it's really easy. Just be better, right? Like, why can't you be better? Why do you keep doing that? Why can't you be better? Or, or this one, you're, you're not going to accomplish much in life, are you? Anybody, anybody ever heard this one, right? I just, I just be honest, like, I'm watching you. You're not going to accomplish a whole lot. I don't think you're going to make it very far. I don't think. Now, now, now maybe you're like, but I'm trying to, t-, and I understand the heart of it. It's like, I want them to really get it, right? This isn't the way to help them really get it. Or, or what about these? These are maybe, maybe you've heard this. Man, you're just too skinny, right? You're just too skinny. Some of you guys are laughing, but for some, for some, for some kids, they're like, man, you need to get some meat on those bones, right? You're just too skinny. Or the opposite, you're just too fat. Man, you, you just need to lose a few pounds and it would be great. If you could just lose a little bit of weight and you're like, yeah, but I'm trying to help you. Yeah, I, I understand. But the words that you choose matter. You don't want to leave the relationship in a pile of rubble when the conversation is over. You don't want to leave your kids verbally beat down and abused where they're like, oh, all right, fine, I give in. <laughs> like... You win the verbal battle, right? You don't want to leave it in a, in a pile of rubble. What would happen in our families if you and I, we started choosing words that built up your kids, that built up your grandkids, that built up your nieces and your nephews, that built up your stepkids, the people that are under you, the children that are under you, you started speaking life into them, choosing every word like, you know what? Does this word build up or does this word tear down? If it does, I don't want to let it out of my mouth. Now, it's kind of interesting because he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. According to their needs. Now, this is really, really hard, especially if you didn't grow up in a family that was, like, good at talking. Like, their talking was just yelling. Anybody else grow up in that family? It was like, we're just yelling. This is how we communicate all the time, and it's normal. So if you grew up in that, this is really, really hard because it wasn't modeled for you. Paul is telling us, look, you have to actually know what the other person needs. If you're going to use words that build others up, you actually have to think about the other person. You have to go, what is, do, they, do they need this? And the truth is, when I'm mad or I'm frustrated as a parent, right, we don't always care what they need, right? We're just to the edge and we're like, dude, you're going to do what I say. You're going you're gonna, to, you know, get there. You've got to figure it out. I want you to respect me or I want this or I want that. I'm going to say my thing. I'm going to make sure you hear me. Can I tell you, our heavenly father isn't like that. He doesn't want that. That's the way the world does things. The world does things where it's all about me, whatever I want, whatever I need, whatever I'm going to get out of this conversation. But as a Christ-following parent, 
Paul would say, not so with you. That our kids should leave conversations with us not feeling beat down but built up according to their needs. Even when it's the tough things to say. I don't, I don't want to avoid that. I think you guys are like, so I never get to say. No, there's constructive criticism. Even when it's the hard things, there's better ways to say it that leaves them built up, that they look back on the next day and they go, you know what, wow, okay, maybe that needs to, to happen. Whatever it is, you need to leave them built up. And, and then Paul writes this, and I just think it's interesting in verse 30. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's like, don't say anything that makes God goes, go, why would you say that? Like, why would you say that to them? Those are my kids. That's my son. That's my daughter. Why would you speak that to them? And then Paul says, look, if you're going to get this right, if you're going to be a builder and not a demolisher, if you're going to build up and not tear down, there's something that you're going to have to deal with. And this is really important. Verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness. He says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know what, what he's meaning by this? He's literally saying, the illustration here, he's like, pack your bitterness into a trash bag and walk it out to the street, right? Put it in that little cart. Get rid of it. Like, put it in the dumpster and don't let it come back. Pack up your bitterness and leave it out on the street. You know, you know why? You know why? Because your bitterness shows up in what you say, in how you say it, and who you say it to. Bitterness has this weird thing, this weird effect where it affects how we talk to other people. And some of you, you weren't treated right as kids. That, that your parents or people over you, they spoke things over you that you can never get back. And it scarred you and it, and it hurt and you have certain insecurities because of, the, because of the things that your mom or your dad said 30, 40, 50 years ago. You're still holding on to these things. Can I tell you, you can't be a builder if you're bitter. If you're still holding on to these things that were spoken over you and you're like, I'm gonna be, you can't be a builder of people if you're bitter. If you're holding on to the thing, it affects everything you say. Bitterness. It's a disease that, that will destroy you from the inside out. And it will destroy the relationships that matter most to you. Yeah, I, I was, when I was 20 years old, I've held on to this saying for like eight, 20 years. I, I've never forgotten it. It's been so impactful in my life. And it's this, hurting people hurt people. Anybody ever heard this before? Hurting people hurt people. You can't pay back the people who hurt you, right? Sometimes you can't get them back. So what do you do? You get the people back closest to you because you're hurting and you're holding on to stuff for so long. And so what do you do? You strike out against people that are closest to you. And as parents, a lot of times, it ends up being our kids, doesn't it? They kind of get the brunt end of what we experienced as kids. We kind of give it back to them. And there's only one way out of it. You want to know what the way, it's just forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is giving someone from the past what they don't deserve 
so we can give those around us what they do deserve. I want to be a builder of people. I want to be a builder of my kids. I want to build them up. And if I'm holding on to bitterness or things that were said to me from my past or spoken over me, it's going to be a whole lot harder to build up when this bitterness on the inside of me is constantly bubbling over. He says, he goes on, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. He's saying, you know what? I want you to get rid of all the words that demean. Every word that is a word that demeans, that puts down, like, you don't really matter, you're not important, like, get rid of those words out of your vocabulary. Or, or words that degrade. Any word that degrades, like you just don't measure up. You're not reaching it. Any words that, that you're speaking, get rid of words that demean, degrade, or disrespect the people under you or around you. Like you're, you're just not worthy of my respect, right? So I'm not going to give you the time of day. In fact, I'm going to use some words that let you know you don't deserve my, my respect. Paul is saying this is a different way of thinking. Like as Christians, we're called to think about other people. Treat people how God has treated you. This is kind of the idea. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. In verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know what an easy way to say this? He's like, do for others what God in Christ has done for you. You could say it like this when it comes to our words. Speak to your kids as God in Christ has spoken over you. That you and I are called to speak to our kids as God in Christ has spoken to us. What, what would happen if this was normal in our lives? Like that we, we shut the gate, that we stopped the gate. Any words that wanted to come out that weren't building others up, that we closed that gate, that we were only speaking words over people that built people up. How would this change your relationship with your kids? And a lot of you guys think, I, I think it's like, well, my kids don't live at home. How would this change your relationship with your adult kids? How would this change your relationship with your stepkids? How would this change the relationship with your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews. I'm going to reread this entire verse because I want you guys to see it together. But as I do, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Two questions. Here's the first one. Where do I have work to do when it comes to this? Where, where do I have work to do? And the second question is, who hopes I'll get to work soon? Right? <laughs> Who's like, man, I hope they figure this out. Is it your kids? Is it the people under you? Is it the people around you? Let's read this together. He says, and do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, everybody say helpful, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, now for me, when it comes to those two questions, I've gotten to a point where like, I need to memorize verse 29. Like, 
Verse 29 needs to be my scripture. I needed to have it tattooed on my heart, right? Like this is so valuable. It's so important. So would you guys read this together with me? Can we read this together out loud on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I don't know about you, I don't want to speak any words anymore over my kids that demean them, degrade them, disrespect them. I want to speak words that build them up, that speak life into them. That when they leave a conversation, even the tough conversations with dad, that they walk away and they go, well, you know what, that wasn't a fun conversation, but I feel good about it that I feel okay about it. I want to leave them built up. If, if this still doesn't work for you, if you're still struggling, you're like, I'm still struggling to speak words that, that build up. Let me just tell you, some of you need to get rid of the bitterness. For some of you, this is a, this is a real thing. For some of you, you're still holding on to those words that have hurt you when you were a kid. And you need to forgive. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe this is the 20th time. And you're like, John, I keep trying to forgive. Forgiveness is sometimes one of those things that you go, every time it comes up, and if it still makes you angry when it comes up, you, you need to again go, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. Maybe it's something you've been working through for years but you want to make a commitment today to go, you know what, I've kind of taken a break. I want to continue to commit to working through this this bitterness, because I don't want it to control me anymore. I don't want it to control what I say anymore. So today, I, I just want to pray for parents. I want to pray for moms. I want to pray for dads. I want to pray for grandparents, grandmas and grandpas. I want to pray for uncles and aunts. I want to pray for anyone that would say, John, I struggle with this. I struggle with my words. In fact, my words get me into more trouble than anything else. My words are constantly like, oh, why did I say that? Oh, I wish I could have that word back. Oh, I shouldn't have taken it to the extreme. I shouldn't have said that. It's my words. So today what we're going to do, we're, if you're serious about this, and this is kind of a bold thing, I'm not going to have anybody close their eyes. I'm not going to have anybody bow their heads. But if you're serious about it, I would say, if that's you, I just want you to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. If you're serious about going, John, I don't want to use my words to hurt people anymore. And I know it kind of hurts because you're standing around and people are going to go, oh, but they're not going to do that. They're going to go, oh, man, that, that person's courageous. <laughs> they got some guts. So would you do that? Would you stand to your feet if that's you and you'd like prayer over your words? Yeah, awesome, 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 awesome. And then for some of you, you need to stand because... Bitterness is still ruling your heart. Bitterness is still in there. And if that's you and you need to forgive, would you stand to your feet as well? That's something that you need to do. You need to let go of some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the words have maybe defined you or shaped you and made you into the person that you are. And you're like, I don't want them to do that anymore. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the boldness and the courage that it takes to stand God, I thank you that you love us, that you care about us. God, you're for us. God, I thank you that you give us a roadmap, 
that you've spoken life over us. You've spoken life over us. You've spoken grace over us and mercy. I, I pray for those of those who stood and said, I need, a, I need a work on my words. God, I'm standing with them. God, I don't want words that come out of my mouth to tear people down. I want to build others up, especially, especially my kids. God, I pray for the mom and the dad who, man, it's frustrating at times. It's hard at times. It's not easy all the time. But I pray right now that you'd give them grace and strength to close the gate. When they feel words starting to come up that they're going to say, I pray that you'd give them the strength and the ability to shut the gate and to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray for the people that are standing today. They need to forgive. There's been some things that are spoken over them, that were said over them, and they haven't let go of it. And maybe it's 20, 30, 40 years ago, and they haven't let go of it. God, I pray right now that you'd give them the ability and the strength to forgive the words that were spoken over them over them, the, the, the people that spoke it over them. God, we thank you that you are an amazing God and that you love us and you don't want us to stay the same. We trust you, God. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We hope you guys have a great week. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.